Hey there, and uh, welcome back to the World Hopper's Guide to the Cosmere. Uh, I'm your host, Arian, and uh, this week we are heading back with another Cosmere 101 episode, this time taking a gander at uh, shards, what they are, who they are, and why are they even relevant. Um, and who's this Ada Nalsium figure everyone's always name-dropping? So, without further ado, this will uh, contain not too many spoilers at the beginning, and then we will go kind of into the specifics, which will uh, have spoilers for their respective stories, so watch out for that. I will mark it off. But let's get started. Alright, so the best way to do this, to talk about the shards and the shattering, is to start at the beginning, then kind of fast forward to the end, and then for a deeper dive we can back up to look at the timeline itself. So, really going to the very bare bones of Cosmere mythology, in the beginning there was Adenalsium, the power of creation itself. Uh, whatever Adenalsium was, it or they were basically the source of all investiture, something like God with a capital G that created the Cosmere itself. The extent of knowledge that we have about that time is uh, that not a whole lot, but we know there were three kind of primary sentient races, and they were the humans, dragons, and a species called the Shodel that all lived on a planet called Yolin. Well, all the kind of planets in the Cosmere uh, where all the stories take place existed, but mostly devoid of life. Uh, we don't know much about Adenalsium until it or they died. We don't even know if it's a real being or if it's a force. It seems to be the former, but it's tough to tell. But at some point, uh, long before any of the stories we've read, Adenalsium was killed by 16 conspirators on Yolin, using some kind of unknown weapon. As Chris, the scholar, says, uh, they were a diverse group with equally diverse motives. Some wished for power, others saw killing Adenalsium as the only good option left to them. Together, they murdered a deity, and became divine themselves. So, with Adenalsium destroyed somehow, the, the massive godlike power that he had, that it had, split into 16 shards. Each of the conspirators took up one of the shards. We know that uh, Hoyd, everyone's favorite, was present, but he refused a shard at the time, for whatever reason. The story will likely be seen in the Dragonsteel sequence that Brandon plans to write, though we're not entirely sure when that will drop. Uh, a few years ago, he tried a draft of it, but found it, it didn't quite fit, so he dropped it. Last we heard, he might be trying to write it in a first-person kind of retrospective style from Hoyd's point of view, kind of like uh, Patrick Rothfuss's uh, Name of the Wind, which I think is a super neat idea to really give us something new in the Cosmere, and a unique perspective on Hoyd getting both the actual story and Hoyd, current Hoyd's lovable sassiness. So, given this immense amount of investiture, these 16 shards scattered throughout the Cosmere, they kind of made a pact to stay separate from one another to avoid interactions as much as possible. Uh, many of them broke that pact, but they all basically found their homes on the various planets of the Cosmere, and then they either followed humanity's migration or created human lives themselves on these planets. And it's on these planets that we find most of our current Cosmere stories. Uh, each world, each magic system is influenced by its respective shard. They are ambition, autonomy, cultivation, devotion, dominion, endowment, honor, odium, preservation, and ruin, or at least those are ten that we know of, with six still unaccounted for. We know that there's one who just wants to survive, but the rest are a mystery. So, what in Storms is a shard supposed to be, anyway? They are, as I said, basically just giant collection, giant black holes of investiture, held by a person who is known as a vessel. Each shard has a specific intent and an overwhelming motivation that drives it to do certain things. Uh, no matter who holds the shard, the intent will slowly begin to overtake them, uh, warping their mind. 
Preservation, for example, was obsessed with keeping things just the way they were, but in return he couldn't destroy anything. Uh, the vessel initially had some control over the actions they wished to take, but over time the intent warps their personality to fit in line with what it is. Generally, their massive amount of investiture or magical energy is stored in the spiritual realm, but can appear in the physical and cognitive realms when concentrated, either in metal, like uh, Atium or Lorazium in Mistborn, or liquids like shard pools, also known as perpendicularities, and, and gases like the mists in Mistborn or stormlight in Stormlight. The investiture of a shard, consciously or unconsciously, often permeates the entire solar system that they exist in in unique ways. From this, we get the different territories and magic systems that are unique to each world. It's kind of the premise that allows Sanderson to play in a whole bunch of different, completely distinct worlds and magic systems and, and styles, but still have them all under one banner. So a shard can it be splintered, uh, its power kind of broken down in some way, which might be analogous to Adenalsium shattering in the first place. We don't really know. But as far as we know, there are two types of splintering. On one, its vessel is killed, usually involuntarily, and in that case the power is kind of broken up, mindless until someone can put the pieces back together. This is an important concept, as there is one shard who has been kind of seeking to do just that, kind of go around and splinter everybody else. We'll get to them. Splinters can also be fragments of investiture that are broken away from the shard, usually voluntarily, sometimes not, and they gain some level of sentience or independent use on their own. Honor Spren, for example, from the Stormlight Archive, are splinters of honor, while the divine breath that's given to the returned in Warbreaker is also considered a splinter, along with the Seons in Elantris. Generally, it's a good bet that something on the more magical side of sentient beings in the Cosmere may well be a splinter of a larger shard. So we know there are 16 shards in total, but only 10 have been identified as of February 2019, so we will enter spoiler territory here. I will kind of call them out as we go, but this is a good place to hop off if you just want to remain unspoiled for most of the Cosmere and just get a lay of the land. So, going through them now, uh, starting with Mistborn, Preservation and Ruin were held by men named uh, Leros and A.T. respectively. Uh, they worked together to create humans and set off the events of Mistborn. Preservation fuels Allomancy, which allows the various uh, cool powers to be born of burning the metals, while Ruin fuels Hemalurgy, which basically steals a part of a person's soul and staples it to somebody else. Their natural kind of mixing leads to Farukami, which is perfectly balanced, as all things should be. Uh, you give up an aspect of yourself to be stored and, and used up later. Uh, by the Hero of Ages, Seized, the Terrasman Keeper, has picked up both shards and has managed to combine them to become Harmony, a balance between preservation and ruin. As a consequence of that balance, he finds it more and more difficult to truly take action one way or another, which requires him to work through human agents. Warbreaker features endowment, held by Edgley, whose intent seems to be focused on providing power to things. She supplies breath to every person born on the planet Nalthus, as well as the divine breath that goes to the returned. By endowing people with this extra bit of life, she gives them the ability to bring a semblance of life to other objects as well in Awakening. We see her appear in, in one of Oathbringer's letter epigraphs uh, addressed to Hoyd. She mentions that two of the shards, Aeona and Sky, who we'll mention in a second, were foolish to settle together, and also mentions that Hoyd turned his back on divinity, presumably back at the Shattering. We don't know what her goals are in the overall sort of story of Warbreaker and those characters, but we will hopefully see some of that uh, come the time of Nightblood, the sequel to Warbreaker that should come eventually. Devotion and Dominion, held by Aeona and Sky respectively, are the shards that influence the magic of Elantris. With Elantris being one of the earliest Cosmere works, both in real life and in Cosmere history, our knowledge of these shards is limited. It also doesn't help that, spoiler alert, both are dead. 
At some point in the past, they were both splintered by Odium, who we will get to. Their vessels were killed, and their combined power was shifted into the Cognitive Realm, where it's basically a storm of investiture that makes it really difficult for world hoppers to get in and out. Go listen to the uh, Investiture and Realmatic Theory episode if that doesn't make sense. In Elandris, it's this pent-up storm that Raiden feels when he tries to use the Aeons before he's kind of figured out what's wrong with them. It's this this raging storm that almost kills him as it as it just sort of washes over him. The magic of the door can be accessed by form. For Aeon Door, it's drawings. For Chaishan, it's particular bodily movements. And for Dakor, it's the shape of the bones. This is also connected to the soul forging present in the Emperor's Soul novella, which is fantastic, which deals with, uh, again, sort of shapes of the stamps. Okay, we can move into murkier territory here with ambition. Held by Ulida, likely one of the Shodel species from Yolan, we know that at some point she entered the Threnodite system and affected the planets there, which uh, we don't know exactly how. This is the solar system that has uh, shadows for silence in the forest of hell, the novella, which mentions the, quote, evil, which has overtaken much of the land and the shades that haunt the forest, but we don't know much about it yet. Fortunately or not, depending on your view, this shard was splintered pretty quickly by Odium, who saw her as a rival. Ambition and Odium don't really get along. Autonomy, held by Bavadin, appears to be doing pretty well for themselves, hanging out on Taldane, the location of the White Sand story. It's pretty clear that Autonomy, as the name implies, wants to be left alone, and appears to have a great deal of personal influence on the religions of the planet, as well as on the sand-based magic system. One of Autonomy's letters to Hoyt appears in the epigraphs to Oathbringer, where they appear to act as some kind of multitude. Honor and cultivation are especially interesting because Roshar is just one gigantic can of worms. Big Stormlight spoilers. So, at some point after the Shattering, Honor and Cultivation, who had been romantically involved when they were mortal, decided to settle on Roshar. Roshar, at this time, already had life in the form of these shelled creatures that we see in Stormlight Archive, so the uh, Singers, the Great Shells, all those kind of shelled creatures. Honor sought to uphold oaths, while Cultivation wanted to see things grow and change. Their investiture influenced the world and affected the Spren, who were then able to bond with humans and utilize the ten surges that exist on Roshar. We're still learning exactly how cultivation affected the world, but it's also impossible to talk much about these two without also talking about the elephant in the room, Odium himself. Odium is a lot to unpack. As opposed to Ruin's holder, Aiti, who was apparently a kind man warped by the intent of his shard, Ruin was taken by Raze, already a vicious individual. Odium represents hatred to many, though he styles himself as passion strong, intense feeling that allows him to relate to humanity like no other. I am actually far more interested in believing the latter interpretation of the character because I find that a fascinating idea that gets to the heart of intense, not necessarily being good or evil, but simply existing. So a long time before any of the main stories take place, Odium feared his rivals and set out to kill the Shars that he considered most dangerous, ambition being one. On that path, though, he ran across Devotion and Dominion and somehow splintered both of them. However, despite the fact that, that taking them up would increase his power, Odium realized adding Devotion and Dominion to Odium could change his plans, and he did not want his plans changed. So he left the splintered shards there. At some point, um, he arrived with or after the humans onto Roshar proper, uh, probably trying to splinter Honor and Cultivation. We know that currently he's been trapped in the Rosharn system somehow, though we're not entirely sure what Honor and Cultivation managed to do in order to trap him there. He's in the middle of trying to destroy Roshar with the Desolations, and at some point we know he has been allied with Autonomy, as well as with one other big power in the Cosmere. There's still a lot to know, but as of now, he is the one to watch out for. We don't know where, where things are going, but he seems to be the driving force. 
So let's move from one elephant in the room to the other, our boy named Hoyd. So the mysterious stranger who shows up everywhere and seems to have his own goals, multiple magical powers, and knowledge of a world long lost. Whatever happened with Adenalsium, he was at the center of it. He's the second oldest being in the Cosmere, well, he was one of the conspirators, he refused a shard, and is ultimately immortal thanks in part to the weapon that killed Adenalsium. We see him working primarily in the Stormlight Archive, where he interacts with many of the main protagonists and kind of pushes them along their own arcs. In that, we see him perform allomancy, awakening, and even a form of light weaving. He manages to bond a spren while he's there, too. What we see in Hoyd is that he is collecting magic systems for some unknown purpose, and seems to be in contact with many of the shards. He sent messages to Frost, a dragon, presumably on Yolen, as well as Endowment, Harmony, and Autonomy. We see their responses to his letters in the epigraphs of Words of Radiance and Oathbringer, with Endowment and Autonomy basically rebuffing him, while Harmony barely knows what to do. Uh, Harmony kind of implores Hoy to come back to his land and speak freely. Interestingly, uh, we know that the Stormlight Archives book 1 to 5 occur prior to the Wax and Wayne Mistborn books, while 6 to 10 happen afterward. Given that we see Hoyd pop up in all of those books, it means that at some point he decides to world hop from Roshar back to Scantriel and presumably meet Harmony. We'll see if he pops back up in the back half of Stormlight. I assume he will, but I guess we'll have to find out. So one of Hoyd's primary goals seems to be recruiting the other shards to combat Odium, though he's mostly been rebuffed. At the same time, he says he's willing to let Roshar burn to achieve whatever he wants, which means he probably has a bigger plan. We've got a whole episode on Hoyd planned, so we leave his intentions mostly alone for now, but we know that he is not a shard, but he was present there, and his goals are a total mystery, despite being probably the most popular and most seen character in the Cosmere. So, that is the episode on the Shards and the Shattering. Apologies for my crappy voice. Uh, this was a long one, so thanks for sticking it out with me. And I uh, hope this was helpful.